This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, July 20th. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jerem Jordan, alongside basketball roster analyzer, Jason Shepard. This will be year three for head coach Mark Pope as the BYU basketball coach. It's pretty interesting that heading into year three, he's going to have pretty significantly different rosters in all three years. It's pretty exciting. So yesterday there was a notable player who announced he's going to transfer to BYU. Because we're BYU, we can't say the person's name. So as soon as BYU announces it, we can announce it. But, yeah, a a massive uh, add to BYU to be announced here soon, which is very exciting. So we can't wait. Oh, by the way, just crazy day, right? The anniversary of the moon landing. And then Jeff Bezos (laughs) goes up into space this morning. That's crazy. I have not paid enough attention to it to realize that it basically was just going up to a certain point that's considered space and then coming right back down. Which is technically 50 miles. I read this morning NASA by considers. Air Force and the yeah, Federal Aviation. Yes, that, that 50 miles is anything above that is you're in space. I personally think it's 52, but that's just. Well, you know, but you're, you're you know, you got to get technical. <laughs> so I did not realize that that's all he was going to do. I thought both he and like Richard Branson were literally going like orbiting the earth. I had, nope. I had not followed down. it enough to realize Literally, that's all they were doing. It was an advanced lagoon ride. That's basically if it were it If was. it were two people that I had any interest in following, then maybe I would have paid a little more attention to the details, yeah. but I didn't. Captain Marvel did way more in the movie. It's that's what I'm saying. Okay. Here's your show lineup. New details on the Notre Dame-BYU game. Oh, juicy stuff from Notre Dame's athletic director, Jack Swarbrick. Elijah Bryant goes for an NBA title tonight. Would mm. be just the third NBA player uh, from BYU ever to win one. College football watch list season is in full swing, and our opponent previews continue with that team up north. But first, let's chew on some headlines. Jerem just mentioned this. During an interview with Irish Sports Daily, Notre Dame AD Jack Swarbrick was asked about reports saying that the Irish may play BYU in Las Vegas in 2022. Swarbrick said the following, quote, Relative to playing BYU, all I can say at this time is what I've said before. We absolutely recognize and will honor our obligation under the original contract. We had two games here, one game that they get to decide where it's played. What? Yeah, and we are going to honor that, end quote. Much, much more on this topic coming up in What's Trending. You see. NFL training camp begins for four teams today, including Zach Wilson's Jets and Chris Wilcox and the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well. Elijah Bryant and the Milwaukee Bucks hosting the Phoenix Suns tonight in Game 6 of the NBA Finals with a chance to win the NBA championship. The Bucks lead that series 3-2 and are one victory away from their first NBA title since 1971. Well, Cinder, eat your heart out. <laughs> the Davey O'Brien Award watch list came out this morning. No Cougars on it, not a shocker there. But of note, opponents Charlie Brewer from Utah, Jaden Daniels of Arizona State, Keaton Slovis of USC, and Grayson McCall of Coastal Carolina from last year uh, were among the 30 quarterbacks listed. The Bednarik Award watch list, given to the top defensive player, came out as well. No Cougars on it uh, either. But notable opponent players uh, are Devin Lloyd of Utah, Justin Rice of Utah State, who's an Arkansas State transfer to follow his coach, Blake Anderson, and Drake Jackson of USA. 
Congratulations goes out to women's volleyball. Not only are they fantastic on the floor, they are great in the classroom. They win the ABCA Team Academic Award with a combined team GPA of 3.53 during the fall and winter semesters. That's nuts. That is impressive. Like anything at three and above for a team is really impressive. Okay, Cougars in the minors, a couple of dudes in AAA. Colton Shaver, two for four with Homer, two RBIs, and a Sugarland Skeeters 7-5 win over the Albuquerque Isotopes. And Brennan Lund for the local Salt Lake Bees had a hit and run. That's a legal version of that. In a Salt Lake Bees 12-2 loss to the Tacoma Rainiers. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending is brought to you by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick spoke with Irish Sports Daily. I know you subscribe, you love it. About the talk of a game with BYU in Vegas next season. Jason just read the full quote, but this part sticks out to me. We had two games here. One game that they, BYU, get to decide where it's played. And we're going to honor that. Wait, what? One game where they, BYU... Get to decide where it's played, and we're going to honor that? Jason, does that mean BYU could play this in Provo at some point? Would you rather wait for that at some point game in Provo or play Notre Dame in Vegas next year? Okay, let's obviously talk about the initial report that we've heard over the last month or so that these two teams are at least discussing reportedly. That BYU reached out. Yes. From Vanquish the Folk. Yes. And that they're discussing the possibility of playing this game in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium in 2022. That sounds great. And then until you hear this, that it's BYU's choice. Um, Would I rather have it played next year in Vegas or have it in Provo at some point? I'd rather have it in Provo at some point. Now, what if that some point is in the 2030s, though? Are you I, okay with that? I, I, I'm fine with it. Okay. I'm, I have no problem with it. There's a part of me that wants Notre Dame. It was a two for one, that two there and one in Provo. I want the game in Provo. Plus, I want, I want that experience for Cougar fans to have a team like Notre Dame in their home stadium. Yeah. That is an unbelievable experience. That's, that, is, that is one of those college football teams that you're going to remember when Notre Dame came to Provo. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think having the ability to have this game in Provo is a big, big deal. And it's still something, even though we, and I say we in terms of BYU Sports Nation, have been waiting for that return trip for a really long time. I'm willing to wait even longer if it means that the Irish come to Provo. Now, what we don't know is if the reports are true and that this, is, this game is leaning towards Vegas, I, we don't know necessarily the reasons why Vegas over Provo. Is there a financial uh, you know, situation where BYU is getting more money to play it? Maybe ESPN says we'll Maybe. give you a middle so, so, you know, there, there may be parts of why it's being looked at more in Vegas than in Provo. There may be a financial um, addition to it that makes it more you know, reasonable for BYU to say, yeah, we'll give up a home game and go to Vegas. We don't know any of those things. For me personally, I would rather have the game in Provo to be able to say we have Notre Dame at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Depends how long you want to wait. Um, Let's not bury the lead on this either. Notre Dame confirmed they're actually going to play the game. This is the first time we have heard since they cinched the deal in waiting, waiting, waiting. Every year we're talking about Notre Dame game. Is that going to happen? They're going to play the game. We haven't known this until yesterday, which is great. You you, uh, discovered this and it was like, whoa. Um, so that's big news. I think if it's in Provo, this is the biggest game of independence at home. 
I'm, I, I'm who's, thinking to say, of, who's to say BYU was, will be independent when they play in? Well, that's true. Wisconsin uh, at home in 2017. That team for BYU was bad. That was tough. Texas uh, in 2013 was a great game. USC and Washington in 2019. Those were great opponents, matchups, buildups, uh, you know, situations. In the case of uh, USC at home, that was a win. That was great, right? BYU has had to play its biggest games in independence, mostly on the road or neutral. Yep. So I see the argument for I'm willing to wait. It just depends how long you want to wait. The idea of this game next year is pretty intriguing. Like, oh, we could play this game next year. Vegas, that's, you know, the best location closest Both to Both teams BYU, have an opening. Right. So I, I just wonder if they are going to play in it Provo, if it would be in the 2030s. The last game they played of the two, 2012 and 13, right? It's already been eight years. Next year would be nine years between games. Let's say they can't actually make it work until 2028. Are you willing to wait 15 years between game? You know, and from here, right, seven-plus years or whatever. Just depends how long you want to wait. Uh, I, I'm fine with the game in Vegas. I really am. I think that'd be a spectacle. I think it'd be awesome. I think Notre Dame in Vegas is a huge draw nationally. You throw BYU in there, great. Awesome. Um, but, yes, playing at home would be sweet. It just depends how long you want to wait. I'm not sure BYU's situation down the road is going to be such that uh, this game would be as meaningful. Right now, this is a would be a huge game in Provo. Let's say BYU actually does get an invite to, say, a Power 5 conference. This game, when? this game might actually be uh, a deterrent to BYU's pursuit of, say, a bowl game in that situation where you're already so playing. So you finally get schedule. Notre Dame on the schedule, and it's the game that messes things up when you're in a P5 conference. <laughs> you're like, dang it. Like, this is too hard. Like, look at what Utah's done in its non conference schedule. They've cooled it quite a bit because they know, hey, we're going to play, you know, eight tough, eight, nine tough games here in the Pac 12. We can't be going crazy. They don't play a Power 5 team in non-conference this year, right? They're going to play Florida the next two years. But they get it. Like, if you really want to make the playoff for a New Year's Six, you can't be loading up in the non-conference. Go look at Alabama's non-conference schedule. They'll play, like, one big game, and then they'll play a bunch of winnable games because the league slate is tough. Who knows what BYU's schedule looks like in whenever they can play the game in Provo. So that's the only thing that's interesting. But whenever Notre Dame comes to town, it would be a massive, awesome thing, no doubt. I certainly understand. Look, and I'm not going to complain if they end up playing in Vegas next year. To be able to play Notre Dame wherever you get to play, that's an unbelievable game. And the fact that, look, and, you know, we joke about how Allegiant Stadium or, or anywhere in Vegas is, is a home game for BYU. Oh, that's that, no joke. That, that's, that's not going to be the case with Notre Dame. Oh, Notre Dame would dominate that. Yes, that, 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 that's Let's so. Let's not act like it'd be yeah, no, Notre Dame would take over that place. Now, not to say there wouldn't be a ton of BYU fans, because there would be. There would be a lot. But, but to, to think that Notre Dame's not going to travel and BYU's going to have a home game there or a home game-type atmosphere, yeah. that's not going to happen. You, you're not paying attention to what happens to Notre Dame when they go on the road. So I, I completely understand, though, if, if BYU says – What's best for us is to get this game when we can get it, the soon, as soon as we can get it, and that means in Vegas. Who knows? Maybe BYU is in a situation where, like, hey, we know we have the option to play this game in Provo. If we're willing to do a neutral site game in Vegas, what's the chances of us being able to maybe extend to more games between the two of us? I love that idea. So I- maybe that's part of why you go to Vegas. Say, we'll give up a little bit here if you're willing to – schedule us for another either two-for-one or maybe another one-and-one, something along those lines. Do you really trust Notre Dame at this point to uh, 
do this in a timely manner, though, given what's happened? Put a, like, time, put a time constraint on it. Most of these contracts, I would assume, have that on there already. We've waited eight years for the TBD return game, right? And Look, if it's not played we next wait year, eight years be... for a lot of very important things. Like what? Like a win against Utah? I, I meant in the general sense. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now I can't um, bring it up. Yeah, it's, you you know, just ruined the joke. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, yes, BYU would be baptized, I guess, against Notre <laughs> Dame or something. Um, yeah, what, what's, your, what's your opinion of this? Because I would love to see this. We all want to see the Notre Dame game. It's just how long are you willing to wait for this, right? Do you want it next year in Vegas? Like, all right, we, we know that you know, is, is being discussed, could happen. Do you want to wait for this in the future uh, with Notre Dame? Which Notre Dame has openings uh, of road games. They like to play seven home games. When you're a real power team, you pay seven home games, okay? <laughs> Virginia played eight home games a couple years ago. That's fun. Uh, but Notre Dame has openings the next several years. There's just not a ton of them. you got to start to get in one of those years. So we'll see. We're looking at future Notre Dame schedules, and they've got, they've got spots. Our question of the day is this. Would you rather play Notre Dame next year in Vegas, as reported, or play them at home at some point in the future? Let's hear from you in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Colonel underscore James 83 on Twitter. Play next year in Vegas for sure, as the old saying goes, a bird in the hand. Besides, Vegas is practically a home game. Well, again, in, when you're playing Arizona. That's true. Yes. When you're playing UNLV. Yes. When you're playing Utah. You know, it was a good, it was a good environment. It was great in the bowl game. After the first quarter, it was great. Uh, but Notre Dame, different animal. Like Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Texas, Alabama. You know, there are 10 to 15 teams where it's like, no, 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 that's not going to be the case. This isn't a men's volleyball match where BYU's at UC Irvine, right? Or, uh, you know, BYU on the road does a really nice job at Middle Tennessee or at whoever. BYU shows up. It's awesome. This would be a little different. At TX Colonel, uh, home. Get Notre Dame to come to Provo is rare. Reward the home fans. Use it as a recruiting weekend. Should not pass up that opportunity. Again, it's just like almost everything we discuss up here. It just depends what you want. Like, do you want that experience at home, or do you just want to play Notre Dame? It just depends what you want. Yeah, and ultimately I say you get that game at home. If you can get the game at home and there's an opportunity, and you're, not, said you're not waiting 25 today, would you be cool with that, that far? I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to wait till 2035. But if 2028? Yeah. Done. You're home. done. 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 Home. 32. I'm trying to find the sweet spot. Uh, 32 <laughs> borderline. Oh, so 30? Done. Done? Okay. Done. So 30. It's, it's in the next decade. They're coming to Provo. That's a big deal. Oh, 31 means it would have been 18 years to fulfill the game. <laughs> Come on, man. That's crazy. Okay, continue to weigh in on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All right, coming up, a deeper dive into BYU's week two opponent, the team in Salt Lake City. Bill Riley, and it's not Real Salt Lake, the voice of the Utes, although he does. He's also the voice of Real Salt Lake. Exactly. We preview the Cougars and Utes coming up September 11th. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. 
On the latest BYUSN right now, Kiki Solano blasts to the past. Recap the 2020-2021 season of sports. Follow along as she travels around campus to relive some of our Cougs' best moments from last season. Check it out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We're live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. Jerem joined alongside Jason Shepard. We continue our preview of the opponents for the Cougars. Of course, Arizona's the season opener. Right after that, 53 days away from today, September 11th, BYU hosting uh, the Utah Utes, which is going to be crazy given they didn't play last year. They're not playing the next two years. We bring in the voice of the Utes, Bill Riley, now uh, to talk about it. Bill, welcome to the program. And this game is worth four years' worth, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. Uh, yeah, I, to be very fair, I, I hate the fact that it's not going to be played. It's only going to be played once in four years because I love this game. And so, but I understand why they're doing it. The home and home with Florida was a huge deal. So, uh, that's it. But yeah, this, this is one of those things where, you know, BYU's talked for a few years about trying to end the streak and Utah likes to extend the streak and the streak will kind of remain intact if Utah wins for a couple of more years. So, um, it's a shame in some ways we didn't get a chance to see the game last year. Uh, but I'm just happy it's back this year. What's the uh, the mood of the fan base, Bill, right now when uh, when they talk Utah football? How excited are they? How much uh, excitement has grown because of last year and only having a couple of games to play? What's the mood with the fan base right now heading into this season? Well, I think there's a lot of excitement, Chef. I do. Um, it's I, I've likened it a lot to the 2018 season where we knew Utah was going to be pretty good, but we weren't quite sure how good Tyler Huntley hadn't really become Tyler Huntley. Zach Moss was good, but he wasn't being talked about nationally yet. There's a lot of talent in this program. As you guys know, Kyle's recruited so very well, uh, 19 returning starters, and then they've used the transfer portal really, really well uh, to fill in some of the gaps. So I would say, Shep, it could mean something or it could mean nothing. Ah, and as somebody, I I, as, as somebody who produced your show for five years, I have heard that many, many times. <laughs> and it rings true every single time. Oh, it, it, But I, I think it's going to be a fun year this year. The Pac-12 South is really tight. SC's always good. ASU's got a lot of hype around them. Um, Herm's come in and created some hype. Now there's some hype that's not so good down there. And you know, what I've always said is Utah's the kind of the consistent. You know what you're going to get just about every year. Some years SC is really good. Some years they're not. ASU gets a lot of hype. But to me, the consistent team is Utah. And then in the north, it's probably Oregon and Washington and everybody else. But I, I would say there's a, a lot of enthusiasm and excitement around the program this year. Um, and a lot of it has to do just simply with the fact that they have a lot of talent returning from last year's shortened season. Yeah, it's interesting because BYU is going to play four of the six in the South plus Washington State. So BYU fans paying attention to the Pac-12 South race as well because of that. So um, obviously quarterback's a big deal. A lot of returning starters. Obviously the tragic and terrible death of Ty Jordan is a storyline that will emanate throughout this season as well. But at quarterback, Charlie Brewer, if you get the 2018 Charlie Brewer, you're talking about some big time things. If you get the 2019 or 20 Charlie Brewer, maybe it's different. So We'll see Cam Rising coming back from injury, competing there and some others. So who is it Charlie Brewer versus the field or is Cam Rising going to challenge for that spot? Well, if Cam Rising's healthy, and, and I don't know yet because I haven't seen any medicals on him, but if he's healthy, I think he challenges. He won the job a year ago. He's a really talented quarterback. The one thing that he doesn't have that Charlie Brewer has is four years of starting experience at the Power 5 level. 
Um, to your point, Jerem, you know, last year, Charlie Brewer went through a coaching change, a new offensive system, a little less talented Baylor. If you get the Charlie Brewer of 18-19 or 17-18-19 when he was Big 12 freshman of the year, I think you've got a really good quarterback. I think Utah's in good shape quarterback-wise. Whoever wins the job, the backup's going to be really, really talented. Um, but I, I would tell you right now, if I was putting money on one of them, I'd probably lean toward Brewer because we know he's healthy and we know he's got four years of experience. But I'm not going to count on Cam Rising just yet. You know, Bill, one of the things that you can almost just pencil it in, regardless of the season, regardless of the situation, when you think of Utah football, there are certain things that you know are just going to be the way it is. They're always going to be able to run the football really, really well, going to have a very good offensive line, and they're going to be dominant on the defensive front. Any reason to believe that's not going to be the case again this season? No, the lines are going to be really good, Chip. Uh, they are. Last year was a little bit of a transition. You're getting some guys' experience, but Jim Harding's got 10. He said 10 guys who could start for me. He believes it's the deepest, and Kyle Whittingham does too, the deepest offensive line unit they've ever had. They're going to be really good up there, and then the defensive line is just silly. The word I heard a couple of times late spring and early summer is the line is back to being nasty again, and that's where they were a couple of years ago. And everybody's excited around here because for the first time in a number of years, there's a Kafusi on the roster. Devin's going to be here uh, playing for, for Utah, and he's going to hold down one of those two starting inside tackle spots, probably alongside of, uh, you know, one of the Putu Tals or maybe Vianney Mawala. The defensive end spots are really good as well, and we just saw the highlight of, of Devin Lloyd, who might be the best linebacker that Utah's ever had. I mean, ever, ever wow, had. That's he, he's, a, he's a probably a day-two draftee. And he checks all the boxes. And then right next to him is the Sewell that nobody talks about, Nephi Sewell, who quietly had a really good year last year transitioning from safety to linebacker. So um, the defense is going to be, you know, in the words of a, of a, of a coach I talked to in the spring, nasty again this year. Let's, let's talk about defectors. <laughs> you have Samson Nakua transferring down to be with Puka, right, uh, at receiver, and then, of course, Devin. So bigger impact on the game from those two, uh, Samson and Devin, who have switched sides in this. That's a really good question, Jerem, because I think Devin, Devin we saw glimpses of last year, and I know he's really worked hard on his game. Uh, your partners, uh, your partner guys, uh, Spencer Linton, who was on my radio show last week, I told him, I said, I, I think Samson Nakua is going to have a bigger impact on BYU's offense this year than Puka Nakua is. I know Puka got a lot of hype out of high school. He didn't do much in two years up at, up at the University of Washington. And I talked to some people up there that said they, they, they feel like he, he didn't really give what he could have. And Samson's a kid that's coming to BYU to play with his brother. He's coming down there to have an impact this year. I think he has a really big year in that offense. He's a really good kid who's got a lot of upside to him. So that that's kind of my BYU wide receiver hot take is I think Samson might have a bigger year than Puka does down there for a mm-hmm. Aaron Roderick. Let's stay, let's stay with Samson. For those that may not have been able to see him during his career at Utah, what does he bring to the field? Well, he brings a goofiness that, 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 there's, <laughs> that every team probably needs to have. He's a clown, but he's a great kid. Uh, I'll tell you what he's really, really good at. He's not a speedster. He's maybe not the most athletic guy. I don't know that Utah had a better guy of going and finding and getting the ball when it was on in the air than he did. There were some catches that he made, one in particular along the sideline a couple of years ago up at UW uh, that, that set them up in a goal-to-go situation. 
he is excellent at adjusting and making plays on the ball in the air. So if you throw it up to him, there's a really good chance he's going to come down with it. I want to say there was a game at Colorado where he had a couple of touchdown catches in the snow that were just ridiculous. So yeah, he's got he's got great. Ball yeah, he had skills. a one. He had, it was a one hander against Colorado in the snow. You're right, Jeremy. Yeah, just crazy catch. Okay, at, at running back, obviously some big time program names coming in. T.J. Pledger comes in as the number two from Oklahoma, and of course Chris Curry from LSU. Michael Bernard's the incumbent. Who do you see being kind of the main guy toting the rock? It's a little bit like last year. You know, we came into the season last year saying, well, there's no Zach Moss. They'll do it by committee. And then this young man out of Texas, Ty Jordan, just emerged after a game and a half. Um, you know, I talked to Kyle McDonald, the running backs coach last week, and he said, hey, if we've got to go by committee, we'll go by committee. If I had to guess one guy to emerge, though, I like Pledger, young man from Oklahoma. He just got caught up in a numbers game. When he played last year, he had great numbers. He ran for 450 yards, almost six yards of carry a couple of touchdowns and 130 yards in the Red River shootout against Texas. He just got caught up in a numbers game, and he kind of fits that profile. He's good in pass pro. He catches the ball out of the backfield. He's got good burst, pretty good toughness, not real big. He's kind of built. He's somewhere in that kind of that between uh, John White and Zach Moss from a size standpoint. But uh, if I had to pick one of those guys to emerge, it would probably be T.J. Pledger. But I think all three or four of those guys can really run it. Bill, it's been a while since Britton Covey's been fully healthy. Is he entering his uh, 11th season on the Hill uh, fully healthy this year? Well, he got his AARP card this summer. Very so nice. he, was, he was happy Very about nice. that. A lot of senior discounts at Chuckarama. So he's really he's having dinner at four. The- he's eating at four. Yeah. yeah the, 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 he, and in fact, <laughs> he bought a retirement place at Del Boca Vista Phase 3 this nice. summer, too. Nice. Uh, Very nice. But he, he has had, it's funny you say that, Chip, because he is healthy. He said, I really haven't felt completely healthy since um, coming back from my mission. And before that first season back, when he was absolutely nearly killed by Washington in that regular season game, he said he feels great, um, ready to be a leader. They've got some options at wide receiver, but but I, I think you're going to see a little bit more Britton Covey than just kind of the short underneath routes. I, I think they're going to use him in a lot of different ways this year uh, down the field as a wide receiver and not just around the line of scrimmage. Is Brent Keithy, uh, who's one of the best tight ends in the country, is he, is he the number one offensive weapon for Utah? I would say so, Jerem. Just based on production and the way Andy Ludwig likes to use him, you know, he's kind of a collegiate version of a, of a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle where he's just kind of a matchup problem for linebackers or safeties or corners, depending on who you put on him. Just a really, really good athlete. Um, but here's the thing. They've got three guys who would start for probably just about anybody in the Pac-12. Cole Fotheringham behind him, and then Dalton Schultz, who was a University of San Diego transfer. They like all three of those guys. So I think Andy Ludwig, who loves using tight ends, is going to get real creative this year. But as far as proven commodities and the way Andy likes to use his offense, I'd say Keithy's probably the number one option. Is it Pac-12 South title or bust? Is anything less than that going to be disappointing to the Utes? I think so, because I picked him on my ballot to win the Pac-12 South this year. I, I don't. There, there's not a lot of weakness on this team. I, I will say this. They don't have a proven punter for maybe the first time in a decade. So, uh, you know, and so there's not an Aussie guy that's a proven guy like a Hackett or a Wishnowski or a Sakota before that. But if you look at every other position group, even place kicker, they're too deep or three deep or four deep. So, yeah, I think, you know, Jason, I think they're at a point now where, 
if you don't win the Pac-12, it's not just good enough to get there. You, you win the Pac-12 South. You're a favorite. You're, your program's in a good spot. Sure. So I would say yes. I, I think Kyle Whittingham's got the program to a point now where um, winning the Pac-12 South is an expectation, and now they've got to go win the conference. Bill, let's finish with this. What are your thoughts on uh, BYU going into 2021? I think that Kalani has done a wonderful job. I think six years in, he's got the program stabilized. I think that, you know, they're playing, again, a ridiculous schedule. Would have been great to see them play it a year ago with all that NFL talent they had. But I don't think that they're a point now where, you know, a couple of years ago, they they would stumble against an Akron or a Toledo or somebody like that. They'd knock off a USC and then stub their toe against Arkansas State, whatever that might happen to be. I don't think they do that anymore. I think they're at a point now, and I think the culture of what's expected is is ingrained in that program. So I think they're going to be good. How good, I don't know. I, I think their range is probably five and seven to eight and four. Uh, on the air the other day, I was doing picks for all the in-state teams. I said they would be seven and five. Um, I think they knock off a couple of power five teams. Um, I think they stumble somewhere against some others. But I, I think seven and five is really realistic with maybe an eight and four season mixed in there, too. Am I, am I wrong on that? Am I off on that? I know Ben Criddle loses his mind when you do anything but pick somebody to go 12-0. and 0. So he texted me right away. But what do you guys think? 7-5, and 8-4? and four? We think 12-0. and 0. No, uh, no, we think 7-8. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, 7-8 seven seven right there is that's kind of the sweet spot. Anything yeah. above that, then it's a, it's a pretty special year. Yeah. I think so, too, because that schedule, that's tough, man. Yeah. And even some of the group of five teams they play are not going to be necessarily cakewalks. Obviously, Boise's in there as well. But um, I'm really interested to see how they play in that Virginia game because I don't think Bronco, based on what I've read, has a very good Virginia team this year. I think they're going to be down a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see them him come back to uh, Lavelle Edwards and, and coach against Kalani. Yeah, seven Power Fives in Boise State. This would be a great simulation of if BYU was in a Power Five league, kind of what that would feel like. So, Bill, we appreciate the time, man. Uh, always good to catch up. Hey, I will see you guys September the 11th, if not beforehand. Okay, Sounds awesome. good. Kudos, Bill. Kudos, to you. kudos, yep. Thank you. <laughs> for for whatever reason, instead, uh, of kudos. instead of kudos, we always said it as kudos, kudos to the point now where I think that's actually how you say it. Even though I know it's kudos, <laughs> you know it's we right. said it so many times on air yeah. during that five-year span that it's now kudos. For those who don't know, when Bill came from Jacksonville. Yes, and then he was actually he's a, he's a Kansas he's originally from Kansas City. Yep. He went to Kansas, and then yes, got a job in Jacksonville. And then he actually took over Gregor Bell's sports night show on KSL Radio. and was the and was the sideline reporter. For yep, for BYU. Did a little backup play mm-hmm. by play there. So yep. There you go. Okay. All right, coming up, who would steal opponents' towels mid game and then actually use them? One former BYU it's a great player. Story. We'll talk about it. And a deeper dive into the matchup on September 11th with Utah. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the latest Deep Blue podcast, Jerem Jordan talks with former Cougar All-American rugby player Kimball Kerr about life after BYU, including being the CEO of the Utah Warriors of Major League Rugby. Listen to the show on the BYU Radio app and where podcasts are found. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation in Studio B. Okay, let's talk about the matchup with Utah on September 11th a little more. This is Game 2 as our opponent previews continue. What's the key to ending the streak, in your opinion? Nine games, obviously, and then you go back to 0-9, so it's been, you know, 12 years coming up to 
11, 2021. So it's just been way too long, man. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I realize there's, we mentioned this on the show yesterday, the one game where we were, you know, had six turnovers and we still lost the game. Or, 20, 26. Yeah. Uh, six takeaways. Six takeaways, excuse me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we've probably had some six turnovers as well. We, we have to stop turning the ball over against Utah. That is their MO. They go into games, speaking of Utah, they are so good at forcing turnovers yes. and it's not just the number of turnovers. It's when the turnovers happen, it's what kind of turnovers it's turnovers that lead directly to points. That stuff has to get cleaned up for us to have a, a chance to, to snap this streak. We're talking BYU Utah. So you're going hard pronoun. We, us, them. Oh, you slipped into it. Slipped into it. I'm always in it. I'm always in that. We try and avoid this generally, but it does come out. BYU is a team that from a talent. Wait, wait, wait. Come on, man. No, I'm, I'm making a different point now. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> well, BYU, while they may not necessarily have a, a roster full of four and five star guys or getting a recruit, Neither you know, a, a transfer from Oklahoma. That doesn't have five star guys. But you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. There's, there is this, yeah. there is this, this thought that the talent level is so far superior. By recruiting rankings, sure. Yes, that- but I, I, I don't think that that, that, is, that is evening out. That is evening out, and I think one Just of the biggest— the Just win the game. But I, I don't think, from a talent standpoint, BYU's there's not going to be this, this significant talent gap when BYU faces Utah. There just isn't going to be. And that's going to continue, in my opinion, to get smaller. So it's all about going out and executing what you know you can do. We have not done that against Utah. Just, we just haven't. And I don't even care, one, if there's a gap, and two, how wide it is. Just win the game. There was a massive gap between BYU and USC in 2019. BYU won the game. Like, walk on Dax Milne caught a one-handed pass over a four-star corner. Whatever. Just make a play in that moment, right? BYU at Tennessee. You think Tennessee doesn't have more talent than BYU? Tennessee has more talent than BYU. Okay? BYU won the game. Like, what BYU has is discipline, great coaching, but the, effort, those things. They have not had that discipline against Utah with yes. the turnovers. Yes. So, the key to ending the streak comes down to turnovers. It really does. If BYU is even or plus, you just have a great chance to win. The one where BYU lost was plus three, went for two, didn't get it. Didn't help that Jamal Williams got hurt in that game. Which brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. So in the last nine games in which BYU has lost, minus 15 turnover margin. <laughs> the only one, as we mentioned, the turnover battle was one, was 26. Okay, that's a massive issue. Okay, Let's talk about more stuff with Utah that matters, like we talked about. Returning starters, anywhere from 17 to 19. Everyone in college football has a gajillion returning starters because not everyone left. After last year. BYU's the exception. BYU had a great year. A bunch of guys left. Struck while the iron was hot. That makes sense. Yeah, and Utah made, made, a, made a big deal about the fact that while they didn't have anybody going to the NFL, it's because everybody was coming back. Yes. Like Devin Lloyd probably could have gone. He came back or whatever. Uh, the streak is a massive storyline. Uh, however, ESPN's FPI gives BYU a 52.5% chance to win, which we were a little surprised by when that came out. I I'll like, take it. I thought, it'd ju- I thought it'd be like, uh, you know, high 40s or something for BYU. So it's a few percentage points that way. We mentioned the, uh, you know, defecting player. Samson Nakua comes down to BYU. Devin Kafusi went up a year ago. They didn't play last year. They're not playing in 22 and 23. So this game's worth four. This game's worth four years worth. So when BYU wins, does that mean then that once the game is 
played eventually. BYU's riding a four-game four winning streak. A four-year win streak? I'm going to go four games. It was one game. They didn't play four games. One year, uh, one game. Look, we can't ch- change the fact that they didn't want to play. <laughs> they didn't want to play the next two. That's true. Um, the quarterback battle is interesting. Neither team knows its guy, but kind of has a guy that's probably a little bit of a leader in the clubhouse, Charlie Brewer, the yeah. Baylor transfer we've talked about at length um, from Baylor. And then Cam Rising is the transfer from Texas, who actually started the season, got hurt in the first half of the first game for Utah last year. So we'll see who the starter is there. Of course, BYU has its own uh, matchup. Last time they met was 2019. It feels like an eternity. It really does. Since that game. And BYU decided it would uh, turn the ball over for, like, three direct touchdowns. <laughs> so, yeah, that like, Zach Moss is in that game. He's like a two-year NFL vet now. It just, you know, Zach Wilson was in that game as a sophomore. You know, now Zach's uh, about to buy a really nice Tesla with that $23 million signing bonus or whatever. Like, it's very different, right, for both teams. September 11th is going to be fun because, obviously, both teams are going to – Utah's going to come in 1-0 having beat Weber State. No offense, Jay Hill and Weber State. You guys are great. Which, by the way, Weber State's going to host James Madison for the season opener. It's a massive FCS game. That's awesome. Okay, you, uh, for BYU, it's Arizona, of course. We all feel like BYU's going to win that game. 1-0, September 11th, special date in our, in our country's history, of course, in Utah. And, again, they don't play the next two years. Just massive implications. Home opener for BYU. Oh, what unis is BYU wearing? Are they going with, like, the Royal Matt helmet? Like, it's going to be an amazing evening. Well, and look, going back to the interview that we just had with, with Bill Riley and talking about something we always know is going to be a, a, a position of strength for Utah is the defensive line. And if he thinks that they're going to be even better, that they're quote, back to quote-unquote being scary. They, it, would he tell us if they were going to and be And that worse? they have the best that's, that's linebacker that they may have ever had? Yeah. That's, that's some pretty high praise. It is. That's, if, if they're going it to be builds, that good on the defensive line? In opinion, that is very high praise. Look, Just like our opinion. Yes, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. So BYU cannot go in <laughs> and play loose in terms of with the football. You want to play loose in terms of yeah, what, what? in terms of you know not having too much on your shoulders, but you can't go in and turn the ball over and put put a ball on the ground. Think about what Jaren, pick six yes. and then another pick six. Well, how about that just goes BYU's way for once? How about that? That would um, be fine. You know, Isaiah Heron's like, oh yeah, I have a pick six, Chaz or whatever, Peyton Wilger. Um, yes, why can't Utah just cough it up and BYU takes advantage? And uh, by the way, if if BYU beats Utah. And you had your choice. Would you rather it be dramatically? Would you rather play Utah in Provo or in Vegas next year? No. (laughs) (laughs) All we know is that BYU is playing Arizona in how many days? Countdown to the Wildcats. 46 days. So 46 days to Arizona, 53 to Utah. Okay, let's go, baby. All right, coming up, a Lopini Katoa top five Tuesday. He's underrated, man. I, I was crunching the numbers this morning. Yeah, nice. nice. <laughs> and how do you feel? How do you feel about one former Cougar stealing and wearing opponents' towels during Borrowing. Games? I'm going with borrowing. He'll tell you who did this. No, he did not borrow. He still has them. This is BYU Sports Night. You can borrow it for a while. <laughs> This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. He is Jason. I'm Jerem. This is BYU Sports Nation. Let us whip it. 
Cook Whip Round, presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problem. All right, no defensive players made the Bidnarik Award watch list, which uh, goes to the best defensive player. Which player do you think on the BYU roster has the best chance of being added to the list midseason? Peyton Wilger, I think, is BYU's best defensive player. Uh, his interceptions, his tackles, his tackles for loss, his forced fumble. I think, yeah. Chaz Ayu as well in the mm-hmm. secondary, I think, is going to have a massive impact in Havoc. Uh, picks, force fumbles, fumbles recovered, that kind of thing. I'm excited about that. I think Tyler Batty is another guy that, that could be on that. When you um, have a shotgun uh, when you're yes, you are in business. I, I'm with you. I think it's Peyton Wilgar. And a shout-out to our, our guy Cam Meller. You know he's on the uh, the Peyton Wilgar train. Yes, he is. Absolutely. Okay, any concern? Zach Wilson hasn't signed his contract with the Jets yet. None. And and if you missed it, the Jets, and among three other teams, uh, the Bucks also uh, one of the teams where rookies are showing up for training camp today. Zach Wilson has not yet signed his contract. It will get done. They both realize how important it is. It's not a concern of mine at all. Yeah, I have no concern. The only concern I have for Zach is how he's going to spend that $23 million signing bonus. You know, just what, what food, what boat, yachts. He's like, he's got a lot of multiple yachts. Maybe we'll see. Wow. Okay. It's like a Jerem Jordan uh, move there with multiple yachts. You know where I work, right? (laughs) Do you? I know where you (laughs) are. Do you feel like you could still be in peak physical condition after sleeping on this bed? All right, guys, I've been getting this question a lot. So I'm just going to show you the beds here in the Olympic Village. Yes, the bed frames are made of cardboard. Even under here where we can put our bags, everything is cardboard. So you might think they're not very sturdy, but Taylor's gonna test them out. Let's see. Let's test it out. (laughs) That's Taylor Sander with former Stanford uh, libero, Eric Shoji with Team USA in Tokyo. Uh, You like? No, (laughs) it feels like and looks like it's a bunch of Little Caesars pizza boxes stacked together, but apparently if Taylor's jumping on it, it's going to be all right. I was going to say, I was surprised that it did hold up because then, look, I can't believe that's what, they said that it was was an eco decision, that they're eco-friendly. An eco decision? An eco decision. I... there I were, think that's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, there let's, were there were not other, kind of embarrassing. It is embarrassing. There were other reasons too, and some people have joked, "Hey, let's get these in the dorms at BYU." Are you cool with Austin Lee stealing opponent towels during the game and wearing them? This is based on a conversation where Johnny Linehan said, "Yo, I just realized Austin Lee running around with a USC towel, 2019. That's amazing. Steal the towel and then wear it. Swag on swag." Austin replies, "I still have a Tennessee towel as well." Three and oh with this strategy. What in the world? I am all for it. I have no problem whatsoever. <laughs> I would have a problem if it was Utah, or Utah State, or Boise State. So, are we saying that somebody needs to take like a Utah towel and Look, that that will change everything? He's got an SC towel on. That's beautiful. I'm fine with that. He I have can't. no problem with this whatsoever. I would if it was one of the three rivals. I think that'd be weird to wear their logo. You just flip USC, it around. I'm fine. You flip it around. So well, you can't he, clear, see it. he clearly did. But I'm saying if it's if it's Utah, you would flip it around. And no. you would know that you no. have it, but Don't it's not wear public. Utah t- no. If it means that they beat them, if you're taking something from them, it doesn't mean you beat them if you're wearing a towel. USC and Tennessee. Are you being crazy super? Well, what, are you being crazy superstitious with it now? If you get this towel, that means you I'm just win. saying. You look, sound insane. 
Everything needs to be tilted towards BYU's way. If taking a towel means that the chances if, of winning increase, take a towel. That's we're not doing that. We're not doing like a like a worldwide fast for BYU <laughs> to beat Utah. We're not going that direction. Could we? Let's get out of here. All right. Coming up, our rise and shout-outs, including a, a little bit of breaking news on this. That's right. And uh, Top 5 Tuesday featuring Lopini Katoa, the dude's underrated, 2020 edition. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding you forward. BYU Sports Nation always on demand via the free BYU TV and BYU Radio app. You can always download the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Time for Top 5 Tuesday 2020 Lopini Katoa Edition. Presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Number 5. Four-yard rushing touchdown versus Texas State. Look at this. Lopini getting the ball and absolutely <laughs> destroying the defender into the end zone. Katoa scoring uh, the first of seven BYU touchdowns in that win, 52-14. He finished with eight carries and 35 yards, including ruining that guy's day. I think it was ruined, generally speaking. Uh, because of the final the score? Yeah, the yes. final score. Number four, a 20-yard touchdown run at Boise State. Another big win this time, uh, 51-17 on the Smurf turf. One of six second-half touchdowns for the Cougars, breaking a bunch of tackles in the process. And Lopini Katoa and BYU win for the first time on the blue turf. Numero tres. A 39-yard rushing touchdown at Navy, opening up the season, and there he goes. Look at the blocking from the offensive line. Katoa taking it 39 yards in for the score. Lopini rushed for 80 of BYU's 301 yards on the ground in the dominating win to begin the 2020 season at Navy. If only Navy had practiced tackling prior to the game. (laughs) What a terrible excuse. Number two. 42-yard touchdown catch against Western Kentucky. Blitz leaves him open out of the backfield. Four touchdowns. Excuse me, only four total touches in this game, but uh, one for this touchdown. 41-10 win, another blowout. And, uh, man, he's good out of the backfield, too. It's not just about rushing with Lopini Cotella, cutting it up. Number one, you probably guessed it before we even started it. The 30-yard, unbelievable, full-extension catch in the bowl game. The Superman catch. That is unbelievable. And as I mentioned, for a while it was my Twitter banner. Uh, That is just an unbelievable catch. Katoa finished the game second in rushing and receiving for the Cougars. Obviously capping off BYU's season last year with an impressive win in the bowl game. Look at that catch. What a great catch. That is unbelievable. I'm expecting to see more passes to the running backs this year. Yeah. I, I think getting them out of the backfield. this man. He catches yes. the ball and gets up. Lopini Katoa is great at that. Absolutely. I love it. Okay, our question of the day. Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick said, uh, uh, you know, BYU, they're going to play the game with BYU. Whether BYU chooses Vegas or Provo, we'll see. So would you rather play Notre Dame next year in Vegas as reported or play them at home in the future? Uh, Adam Slams on Twitter. We need to play them before they stop taking our calls again. Let's do it this Wait, year. they're acknowledging us right now. Let's do this. <laughs> Michael Jones on Instagram. 
I think from the perspective of drawing attention nationwide, playing in Vegas would be better, yeah. And the build-up to that game would be huge. Plus, the idea of two religious schools playing in Sin City is fun to think about. <laughs> hey, there you go. Maybe someone will make a T-shirt. Our Elite Voice of the Day is presented by Sundance Mountain Resort at Plan 300 on Twitter. Easy. Provo. No reason Notre Dame can't fit it in within the next five years. Well, they haven't for eight, so there's no actual <laughs> assumption there. They were supposed to come here by 2020. Mm, they're Notre Dame. BYU's been more than accommodating. Get it done. Um, I think easier that's, said than done. They're I, Notre Dame. Look, I, I know that when this was put out, and I just tweeted out the quote, most people's responses are, get it in Provo. Most of the, at least the fan response. Yeah, I get that. Says, bring them to Provo. But are you okay, again, if that's 2031? Would you be okay with that? I think 2030 is my cap. <laughs> That's what we established. That's what we established. 2030 is my cap. The tipping point is 2031, yeah. 2030. Yeah, exactly. Today's Rise and Shoutouts are presented by Mountain American Credit Union, guiding you forward. Kind of a fun reunion of former Cougars in the minors. Yeah. Jackson Clough, Daniel Schneeman, former Cougars, meeting up in the minors, taking the uh, the before and uh, and now the present pictures. Two great BYU baseball players really pulling for them uh, in in the minors, hoping to get to the next level. Jackson Clough said, from Helaman Halls to professional baseball, not much has changed. Grateful for a lifelong friend. Well, Two facial, great dudes right there. Facial hair has changed. Uh, we go from no no facial <laughs> hair to mustaches to, uh, you know, like a beard for Schneeman. I'm telling you, Jackson Clough's going to be with the Nationals in the next two to three years. That'd be sweet. He's going to be Who, in, the big, what, in the big leagues. What organization is Schneeman with? She, he is with the, uh, the Indians. He's with the Indians. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. He was drafted by Cleveland. That's awesome, man. Okay, and then Dilji Taylor, some news uh, coming out recently uh, during the show here. She has been uh, upgraded from associate head coach of women's cross country to the head coach of women's cross country. We, she will continue to be the associate head coach for the men and women's track teams. Congratulations to Dilji. Hey, win a national championship, you can be the head coach. <laughs> I love Dilji, especially when she comes right. on the show. And she always brings gifts. And she, yes, yeah, she always brings gifts. Thanks to today's guest, Bill Riley. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use hashtag BYUSN. Sorry to Dennis, no time. For Jason, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Brian Gray. See you tomorrow for more BYUSN. Look at that full extension catch. 2031? 2030. Let's kick.